If you have been with us over these weeks as we've been going through the book of Jeremiah, you will not be surprised by the topic of today's sermon. We've kind of been circling around this idea, sometimes explicitly, sometimes implicitly, as we've gone along here, because I would argue this is the central question that the book of Jeremiah is written to address. That's why it keeps showing up over and over. Everything Jeremiah is trying to say to the people who were in exile, everything that Jeremiah tried to say to the people before destruction came, all of it can be summed up in one question. Where do we put our trust? Putting trust in the wrong things is the central issue of idolatry. It's the central reason that injustice happens. And, Jeremiah would say, it's the central reason that destruction is coming. You have trusted in empty idols, empty rituals, empty alliances, rather than looking to God. The people have looked elsewhere, and the consequences of that wrong decision are coming. And in chapter 17 of the book, we get this spelled out in an image that will be familiar to you if you are familiar with the Psalms. Starting in verse 5, it says this, Yahweh has said this, Cursed is the person who trusts in human beings and makes flesh their strength, and their mind turns aside from Yahweh. They will be like a shrub in the steppe. It cannot see that good will come. It dwells in parched places in the wilderness, salty land where no one lives. Blessed is the person who trusts in Yahweh, and Yahweh is their trust. They will be like a tree planted by water. It sends out its roots by a channel. It isn't afraid that heat will come. Its foliage will be flourishing. In a year of drought, it isn't anxious. It doesn't stop producing fruit. So we have this passage in which Jeremiah is contrasting what happens to the person who puts their trust in Yahweh versus the person who puts their trust in themselves or other humans or really anything that is not Yahweh. It might be helpful here to be clear about what it means to trust in or put our trust in Yahweh. When the passage says that the person who trusts in God is blessed, it's not saying that the person who believes that God exists in some abstract way is blessed. The, sure, God's up there somewhere, I suppose, why not, sort of belief. It's not even saying that the person who intellectually agrees with the right theological doctrines about who God is, is blessed. This passage is not a systematic theology exam, and passing a systematic theology exam is not going to result in us being blessed. I can speak from experience on that one. And this goes also, by the way, for those passages of scripture that use words like faith or belief, too, because those words are all tied up together in the languages in which the Bible was written, like Hebrew and Greek. We have different words for faith, belief, and trust, but not those languages. In those languages, they're all the same word. They're from the same root. And so when the Bible talks about believing in God, having faith in God or Jesus, trusting in God, all of those things mean the same thing. And they are far more practical things than we might sometimes think. They are far less about intellectual beliefs about who is or isn't God or what God is or isn't like. And the important insight here is that our intellectual beliefs about God should play themselves out practically in the way we live our lives, the way we treat our neighbors or vote or protest or go about our daily business. In other words, I would argue that the heart of this passage, what it means to trust Yahweh, 
And therefore, the heart of the whole book of Jeremiah, really the whole of the Bible, what it all comes down to is not what we believe to be true about God in an intellectual way, but instead how we would complete this sentence. Whatever happens tomorrow, it'll be okay because blank. Whatever happens tomorrow, it'll be okay because blank. That sentence gets to the heart of what we actually put our trust in. Not what we say we put our trust in, not what we believe in our minds, but what we actually put our trust in. I am going to be okay. My family is going to be okay. The world will be okay because at least I know this. At least I can hold on to this. How would you finish that sentence? We've seen some of the answers that the people in Jeremiah's day would have given as we've gone through this book together. It'll be okay because we have our bases covered. We do the right religious practices in Yahweh's temple. We do the right rituals in the shrines to Baal and around the poles of Asherah and for Molech. So surely one of them will protect us. It'll be okay because we are God's people. We live in the land that Yahweh gave us. We have the temple still standing here, which tells us that God's presence will be with us. Yahweh won't let his temple be destroyed, so clearly we will be safe too. As long as we've got that, we will be okay. Or, it'll be okay because we have alliances with Egypt and other surrounding nations, and surely their military might will protect us. Or, it'll be okay because all the priests and prophets are telling us that things are good, they're good, it'll all be good, so we'll be okay. But as we've seen as we have gone through this book, Jeremiah would say, and reality eventually bears this out, there is no life in those things. The day will come when you will need those things that you have put your trust in to rescue you, and they won't, because there's nothing there. They are empty, and it won't be okay. The people will be like this passage describes, a shrub in the wilderness, depending on the rain to keep on coming, dependent on things to keep going smoothly, because if the slightest misfortune comes, they will discover that their roots don't have anything there to sustain them. Today, of course, we have our own answers to where we put our trust. We have our own reasons that it'll all be okay. Some are similar to those in the book of Jeremiah. Some are a bit different. It'll be okay because of how much I have in the bank, my home equity, My retirement accounts, no matter what happens tomorrow, I can rely on that. I've made responsible decisions with my money. And as long as I keep doing that, well, everything will be fine. Or no matter what happens, it'll be okay because the right people are in charge of our country, making the right decisions, appointing the right judges. And the Supreme Court made this or that decision that I like, so it'll be okay. Or it'll be okay because I am a good person. And so surely good things will come my way too. The universe will just send me good stuff. It'll be okay because at least I have my family and they will continue to give me meaning and purpose as I go through my days. Even if other things don't go the way I want, at least I have my family. It'll be okay. Or it'll be okay because I'm a hard worker. I'm self-sufficient. I can take care of myself and those around me no matter what. Or it'll be okay because I plan ahead and I'm not going to be caught off guard because I've made good plans for the future. Or, it'll be okay because I live in America, and we've got more money, more guns, more universities, more military might than any nation that's ever existed. So it'll be okay. I realized in preparing for this sermon, as I was thinking about 
how I would honestly uh, finish that sentence, that more than a little bit of me believes it'll be okay because I can outthink, outtalk, and outwork darn near anyone. I put way more trust than I should in those things. In other words, I have a foundational belief that whatever happens, whether things work out in this instance or not, I will be able to figure it out, make a way forward, because I can outthink, outtalk, and outwork darn near anyone. So surely, whatever happens, I will land on my feet. But Jeremiah's message to the people of Judah, his message to us, God's people today, his message to me, and how I would finish that sentence to you, and how you would finish that sentence, if the answer is anything other than with God, Jeremiah's message is, that is a lie. It might sound good, but it's empty. Those things won't save you. Not reliably, not ultimately. They aren't worth your trust. When the drought comes, you'll find that your roots touch nothing but dry, dusty soil. And you'll wither. I think that might be a big part of why we are afraid of what we are afraid of. Our fears often are the things that expose the lie that we can trust in things that are not God. I know for me, maybe the thing that terrifies me the most is mental decline, Alzheimer's, dementia. Now, I'm not looking forward to my body breaking down or death or those sorts of things, but those don't scare me like my mind breaking down. Why? Because the thought of losing my mental acuity exposes the reality that I can't put my trust in being able to outthink and outtalk. There's no life there. Other people have creeping anxiety all the time about the state of the economy and the stock market, because if those drop, it will expose the lie that the money I have invested will keep me safe. Others are terrified that something will happen to their family, their kids, not simply because they love their kids, which is, of course, a good thing, but terrified beyond that, because losing their kids would expose the lie that it'll be okay because I've got my family. It's not just evil things that can be idols. After all, remember, Israel had made an idol out of Yahweh's temple. Family, work, church, they're all good things. They can also become idols when we rely on them for our security instead of God. Our passage does not say, blessed are those who put their trust in Yahweh because things will only ever go well for them. And cursed are those who don't put their trust in Yahweh because bad stuff will happen to them. Instead, it says, the cursed person, quote, cannot see the good that will come. When the good comes, they don't see it. As we've talked about before, seeing something often in the Bible means a deep insight, understanding, not just seeing it with our eyes. Those who don't trust in Yahweh won't see good for what it is. They'll miss it. The good that happens won't be noticed and enjoyed, won't give them life like it's intended to, because they're always anxious that it won't last. And like a shrub in the wilderness, they need the good rains to keep on coming, or else. And the passage says, those who trust in Yahweh aren't afraid that heat will come. Their foliage will be flourishing. In a year of drought, they aren't anxious. They don't stop producing fruit. When our trust is in Yahweh, when we say, whatever happens tomorrow, it'll be okay because Yahweh is my God and will be with me. Then when, not if, but when the drought comes, it will in fact be okay. Somehow, 
we will be able to bear fruit even in the midst of the worst life can throw at us because we have put our trust in something that is not empty, but is the living God. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, says it this way, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to do without. I know how to cope with plenty. In every possible situation, I have learned the hidden secret of being full and hungry, of having plenty and going without. And it's this, I have strength for anything through the one who gives me power. That sounds nice, doesn't it? None of us want, of course, to put our trust in empty idols, to be a dried out shrub in the wilderness, but those idols are so tempting. The threats of drought are always there. The people around us are so sure that this or that is the way to true security. It takes concerted, intentional, sometimes difficult effort to turn from those idols and turn to the true source of life, Yahweh, our God. When we were together, Meredith led us through a reflection to help us work through one idea for how we might get started doing that work of saying no to the no gods and shifting our trust bit by bit to the true God. And so we'll be putting that up as a podcast later on this week.